Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're talking about death anxiety. And, you know, it's really, and you know, the fear of death and dying is, is really pretty common. Most people fear death uh, to, to some degree. And to what extent that fear occurs and, and what it pertains to specifically will vary from one person to another. But while some fear is healthy because it makes us more cautious, some people may also have an unhealthy fear of dying. You know, well, ask yourself, who fears death? The, the, the fear of death is so common that it, it's, it's had multiple research projects, and it's intrigued all kinds of scholars and religious leaders. There's, there's even a field of study called thanatology, which examines the human reaction to death and dying. And some interesting things have, have come from that. Um, back in 2017, there was a survey of American fears, and that was done by uh, Chapman University. And what it said was that 20.3 of Americans are afraid or very afraid of dying. And it's worth noting that this survey in, uh, included other responses that involved death, which were very specific. For example, murder by a stranger, 18.3%. Uh, murder by someone you know, 11.6% was also in that. And so... You know, interesting, from that study, almost uh, almost as many Americans, 20%, fear public speaking also. And so this, this thought has prompted uh, <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld to say, this means to the average person, if you go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy. <laughs> So I thought that was pretty good. You know, women women, women have uh, generally shown a greater tendency to fear death versus men. And, you know, that's possibly, uh, you know, that women are more likely to admit to or discuss their fears. Um, the fact that historically men are more likely to believe in dying for a cause or a purpose may also, you know, contribute to that idea. But some researchers uh, have argued that um, a lot of young people fear death more than elderly. Um, you know, there was a study that was conducted among dying people in Taiwan that showed that fear of death actually did not decrease with increased age. The same study showed that a patient's fear of death decreased after they were admitted to a hospice care. And it's possible that this was a result of the education and the emotional and spiritual support for the patients because they feel fairly safe in a place like that. You know, there, there's, there's all kinds of types of fears of, of death. You know, just some general ones is the fear of pain and suffering. You know, many people fear that when they meet death, they will experience excruciating pain and suffering. And so this fear is common in a lot of people that are healthy and, uh, and, and as well as in people that are dying of cancer and other illnesses. Unfortunately, many people don't realize that care can help alleviate pain and other distressing symptoms. Also, the fear of the unknown. You know, death remains the ultimate unknown because no one in human history has survived it. That's the one thing we all have in common. <laughs> And so, you know, no one can really tell us 
what really happens after we take our last breath. You know, it's it's if, if you're faith based like I am, and I'm a Christian. I believe that we go to heaven. I believe that. Uh, in in all of my spirit. But, you know, some people don't. So, you know, it's human nature to want to understand and make sense of the world around us. But the reality is death can never be fully understood by anyone who is living. And then there's this fear of non-existence. You know, many people fear the idea that they'll be completely uh, cease to exist after death. And we might typically associate that fear with atheists or others uh, of uh, other religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs. But the truth is that many people of faith also worry that their belief in the afterlife isn't real after all, or they did not earn an eternal life while alive. And then there's the fear of eternal punishment, uh, Dante's Inferno, the Divine Comedy, <laughs> fear of the of non-existence. This belief does not apply to the devout believers of religious or spiritual faith. So many people, regardless of their religion's uh, uh, persuasion or lack of spiritual beliefs, fear that they'll be punished for what they did in this life or didn't do while they're here on Earth. Then there's a fear of loss of control, and most people are control freaks, and this is a very strong ingredient towards anxiety and depression. You know, human nature generally seeks to control the situations we encounter, and so, um, but death remains something over which we have uh, absolutely no control, and this frightens many people, and some may attempt to exert some form of control over death by behaving in an extremely careful manner to avoid risks or undergoing rigorous or frequent health checks. Um, then there's this fear of what will become of our loved ones. You know, that's another common death fear, and it focuses on the worry of what will happen to those entrusted in our care. So parents, for example, might worry about a newborn or a child, family members providing home care, uh, uh, you know, caregiving to a loved one might, might fear that no one else can handle their patients' uh, many needs and demands. And someone in the prime of their life might feel afraid that the thought of leaving a spouse or partner alone due to death. And, and then there's this healthy versus unhealthy fear of death. In general, you know, the fear of death can can actually prove healthy for human beings. When we have the fear of dying, we often act more carefully and take, you know, precautions, minimize our risks, you know, like wearing seatbelts, which is a law, or bike helmets, which is a law. And, and then there's this healthy fear of death that can also remind us to make most of our time here on earth to the best and to take take our relationships, um, not to take any relationship for granted. You know, the fearing the reality of death might also push us to work harder in order to leave a lasting legacy. You know, uh, the famous uh, playwright George Bernard Shaw uh, said, uh, I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. For the harder I work, the more I live, <laughs> which is true. You know, on, on the other hand, the fear of death can sometimes prove so severe that it interferes with someone's daily life. And that's that thanatophobia. And that is this intense, often irrational fear that death can consume someone's thoughts. But, you know, I have to say, and just standing back, you know, and, and I've had some major uh, people in my life that I truly love die. 
um, I can understand and I came to a concept of death that really gave me a lot of peace. And I think it's important for people to have what's called a concept of death. And the concept of death is, for me, it's when someone dies, it's more important to remember how they lived than how they died. Because none of us uh, get up and, and, and do all these hard things that we do for other people and for ourselves, for our life, for our legacy, for our memories, and all of that. We don't do that to be remembered for how we die. We want to be remembered for how we live. And quite frankly, how we die is pretty nasty in the sense that we often uh, uh, poop, <laughs> if I should say that word, <laughs> when we die. Um, we, it, it, it's, it's often, you know, a, a fairly uh, ugly thing to have to be remembered by. And, you know, quite frankly, that's just taking away a person's life, especially if somebody commits suicide or something like that or die, die of cancer to say, oh, yeah, that's blah, blah, blah. They died of cancer. They died of suicide. They, then that's all you remember about them. And it's so sad that we don't carry that legacy uh, on. And it's, it's so important to do that. And the other thing is, if you really love that person and they really loved you and they wanted something better for you, do what they wanted you to do for yourself. For once in your life, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for them and do it in a positive way that it affects your life in a good way because that's what they would have wanted for us. That's how you carry someone's life forward is you actually take something that they wanted for you that you never did and move it to the next level in your life. You know, being afraid of death it is natural and a lot of people share the fear but is, if you suspect your fear has risen to the level of, you know, that thanatophobia, it's best to seek assistance from somebody like a therapist or a psychologist. You know, the awareness of death is, is, is the downside of human intelligence. Life must end for all of us. But only humans may grasp the existential meaning of that. So that means intellectually, we may acknowledge our mortality, but deep, deep down, we deny it. And so the fear of death is so overwhelming that we keep this knowledge unconscious. And the representation of the information for mortality results in, in several strategies that people use to avoid the ex existential fear of death. So they kind of go into a sense of, of denial. So, that, you know, death anxiety is at the core of almost all of our phobias. And death anxiety is often considered to be one of the most common fears. And it appears to be at the core of a lot of mental disorders like um, hypochondria, panic disorder, agoraphobia, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, depressive disorders, uh, depression after retirement may, may sometimes function as an anticipation uh, as the ultimate end of your life. And so that this fear is often unconscious and it's uncomfortable truth constantly lurks in the back of our minds, ultimately driving almost everything we do. And so, you know, uh, it's important that people do many things from choosing to attend church, they eat vegetables, they go to the gym, you know, passing uh, wealth to the next generation, someone you love, who you hate, 
you know, we create companies. We're largely unaware of how death terror actually influences what we think and do because it's just too uncomfortable to think about it. And so, you know, self-esteem, basically how we our self-regard, how we view ourselves shields us. And that's our ego, by the way. And it shields us against uh, death anxiety. So self-esteem is the key to psychological security. And self-esteem means feeling good about yourself, believing that you're worthy, um, to feel that we're good and valued. It's essential for managing our terror of death. And so one way to acquire self-esteem is to surround yourself with like-minded people. And uh, being with like-minded people offers comfort against this existential anxiety. You know, for example, you know, reminders of mortality can lead to uh, favorable responses towards others who support your worldview and your self-esteem. And increased hostility towards those who threaten a person's culture also can be taken into account. So, you know, reminders that our mortality have been shown to increase the desire for consumption and materialism. And that consumption can enhance your self-esteem and it can gain your validation uh, for usually a temporary time. You know, but we, we have the desire to save. Saving money is basically money is our survival mechanism. And so, you know, saving money can function as an existential buffer to protect people from death anxiety. Yes, it can correlate to your actual ability to save money. And saving money is associated with a sense of control over your future and your peace of mind. And and a sense of abundance mindset comes in and hope about the future can be uh, a safeguard against that existential anxiety of dying death anxiety. You know, it is a uniquely human uh, problem and a key therapeutic issue. And, and the fear defies the power of reason, and some people do not confront it very rationally. You know, the, the uh, Yalom, one of a, a psychologists, provided a real comprehensive existential framework for treating uh, death anxiety. In his approach, he acknowledges that the fear of death is a significant source of anxiety, and the treatment is focused on encouraging meaning and purpose and building relationships and improving your coping skills. And so that's what uh, Yalom did, and he was an existential uh, therapist, which, which I tend to agree with that theory uh, wholeheartedly and practice that theory in my practice as a therapist. But now, now let's look down at a term called necrophobia. Now, this originates from Greek words for death, which is necro, and then phobia, which is fear. And, and so a person that has this necrophobia, they usually have a lot of death anxiety and they're afraid of dying and, and they're afraid of dead things human or animal, and associations to dead things like coffins and graveyards. And so, in a sense, a necrophobia encompasses two separate fears related to our mortality. The, the, the fear of these things is common and somewhat normal, and men and women with necrophobia become fixated on death, and they develop unhealthy death attitudes in response to experiencing a lot of death anxiety. And so, you know, they often go to extremes to avoid it. Even the thought of being near something dead can send a necrophobic 
uh, anxiety. Can you imagine what they're like on Halloween? <laughs> it's pretty crazy. So here's some symptoms of necrophobia. And it's, it's uh, first, there's an overwhelming fear of dead things. Number two, there's an obsession with death and dead things. Number three, there's nausea, there's vomiting, dry mouth, there's hyperventilation, there's fainting, extreme sweating, or even trembling, you know, headaches and migraines, difficulty thinking or speaking, dread when they leave the house, constantly seeking medical reassurance. Because of the high level of fear that results from this necrophobia, their mental health issues also uh, develop like uh, agoraphobia, which is a fear of certain places, or insomnia, which is a trouble staying asleep. And, and these thoughts can be especially traumatic when the thought of death or, or, or a death of a family member is uh, appears to be on the on the sunrise. And so, you know, what really causes people to be like this? It can develop in adults, but it often starts in childhood. And if left untreated, it really can require a lot of therapy. And usually it can be traced back to a particular traumatic event experienced with friends or family. And so that death anxiety stems from experiencing the death of a loved one that causes a lot of anxiety and a lot of death anxiety. So feelings of a, of a panic left unaddressed in children can really compromise their ego integrity. And then it results in, in this lasting psychological condition of anxiety and fear of death. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to break this down just a little bit further, and then we're going to deal with the fears and the coping skills and how to keep calm and how to get that concept of death. Come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about the death anxiety, the fear of death. It's so funny. I One of my favorite movies is... Um, the meaning of life, the Monty Python, and I just, I don't know why, but I love the scene when the Grim Reaper comes to their house and they don't realize they're dead. They're, they're having a party. And uh, what happened is the host uh, served them canned salmon that <laughs> apparently went bad. And everybody ate it and, and died, but they didn't know they were dead. And so they kept trying to uh, um question the grim reaper why they if they were really dead <laughs> it's pretty funny anyway sorry i diverged on that one but uh but you know there's this thing called uh thanatophobia and and this is another breakdown of of another aspect of death anxiety but you know it's it's once again it's so important for us to really come to grips with the idea that that death is just the last thing in your life it, it's not the most important thing it's just the last event of your life, and that's it. And, and what goes after that has everything to do with your faith. And, um, you know, the thanatophobia, as we go back to that, it, it's, they have a lot of similarities with the necrophobia, uh, but uh, they also have some significant difference. People with thanatophobia may not be afraid of dead bodies or coffins or even attend funerals, question the grim reaper why they if they were really dead <laughs> it's pretty funny anyway sorry i diverged on that one but uh but you know there's this thing called uh thanatophobia and and this is another breakdown of of another aspect of death anxiety but you know it's it's once again it's so important for us to really come to grips with the idea that that death is just the last thing in your life it, it's not the most important thing it's just the last event of your life, and that's it. And, and what goes after that has everything to do with your faith. And, um, you know, the thanatophobia, as we go back to that, it, it's, they have a lot of similarities with the necrophobia, uh, but uh, they also have some significant difference. People with thanatophobia may not be afraid of dead bodies or coffins or even attend funerals, but their fear isn't centered around the death of others, but the possibility of themselves dying. And so people with thanatophobia have related symptoms like the fear of, of flying, also aging process. And uh, th there might be an underlying fear of being buried or cremated after death. And in a medical setting, uh, thanatophobia is called death anxiety. And so, you know, it's something that you really have to work through. And once again, the symptoms are fairly similar uh, to necrophobia, which is, you know, uh, but some of them are different. There's like a hot and cold temperature sensitivity. There, there's a feeling that you're choking. Uh, seeking out ways to stay young and immortal. Boy, plastic surgeons do really, really well with these folks. Um, obsessively imagining ways you might die 
or or just severe emotional symptoms. But the you know, it, it can be really challenging. This extreme anxiety can really cause people to feel agitated or or angry or sad or shame. And they develop a lot of irrational fears, like fear of, 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 of women or inanimate objects. You know, and then there's this religiosity that death anxiety often goes hand in hand. So this intense fear of death can also cause sufferers to avoid family, friends, as well as places where they fear they might die. So some might have trouble leaving the house at all. And so they, they you know, seeking mental health uh, attention sometimes is not in their wheelhouse just because they have such strong symptomology. And so, you know, it's really important to explore your spirituality. You know, several studies have shown that those who have a strong faith and belief systems and, and life is just one leap of faith after another. We don't always get the outcomes we want and we don't always get the explanations that we want. But, you know, a leap of faith and, and having having taking lots of leaps of faith, we learn experientially from those. And so people that grow do not contain their decisions to their fears. They take leaps of faith because when fear enters, faith leaves. Faith enters Fear leaves. And so the bottom line is, is we have to live life taking chances. And when people fear death and they have this this big death anxiety, they have a tendency to live a little bit too obsessed and a little bit too uh, 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 careful. And they don't take those leap of, leaps of faith that, that would help them enormously to grow, you know, and, and those people don't get those great memories in life because they, they do mediocre uh, measuring, am I going to die, involved in that. Look at what the coronavirus thing is doing to people. I mean, they're just like going crazy. Um, and, and yeah, I, it's for good reason. But, you know, more people die of the flu than the coronavirus. Um, if, you, if you find that a specific religion, you know, isn't for you, you know, it, you can have rituals that could be a solid option for dealing with the fear of death. When you read the word ritual, you might have imagined something as elaborate as like an altar with incense, but your ritual doesn't have to be that uh, intricate. The ritual routine can be something as simple as lighting a candle when you wake or go to bed, taking an afternoon walk, writing about your feelings in a journal. You know, and, and then explore philosophy. You know, spirituality isn't for everyone, but if you find that the belief in an afterlife or a higher power to be a little suspicious uh, or superstitious, it doesn't mean that you need to be without comfort. For, for thousands of years, philosophers have been talking about the topic of death with all the vigor of religious thinkers. You know, for example, while trying to uh, calm somebody who's afraid of death, uh, uh, the Greek philosopher, uh, Greek philosopher Epicurus wrote, death is nothing to us because when we exist, death is not and death and when death exists, we are not. <laughs> so for a more complete optimistic view of death, uh, Plato uh, in his dialogue, uh, Phaeno, the character, uh, Phaedo, sorry, uh, describes the last conversations of Socrates and his friends before the great philosopher carried out the death sentence by drinking poisoned wine. So if you're, you know, if you're feeling something more recent, like 20th century, there's this philosopher named Paul Edwards, and he, he wrote about the topic of death and, and the common misconceptions that uh, lead to the fear of it. There's quite a lot of material out there. And I can tell you, if you can put death anxiety away in your life, 
you're going to have peace. You're going to have a sense of, of being able to control what you can control. You're going to have some acceptance in life that that's part of the deal. And all of us um, have to come to grips with that. You know, make death part of your life. But the ultimate goal is to live your life and not live with the fear of death. You know, but you want to stop these ideas from negatively impacting your life. Instead of seeing death as a negative event, you see it as a positive event. And so, you know, um, strive for a good death, uh, a positive death, a healthy life that you you get out there and you make relationships and you make memories with people. That's the big, big deal. You know, preparing for parting, you know, preparing for your death you know, because we know that I'll have little control over how or when we'll die, we feel anxious. So it's a way to combat this is actually taking control of what you leave behind. And so, you know, designate your power of attorney. If you've ever been to a hospital and likely been asked the question, do you have a, a, a durable power of attorney? It's a POA, by the way. Um, it allows you to appoint somebody you trust to handle your affairs if you can't. Um, also you want to prepare your, if you, if you're so freaked out about death and you have so much you want to control, prepare your own memorial service. You know, do you want a funeral with the showing of your body or would you want to be cremated? Do you, do you want to be upbeat celebration or a traditional service with a eulogy? Um, you know, what, what decisions matter to you and what don't? Few people sit down to make their decisions on their final death because they feared the death and they feel like they're accepting it and, and already headed for death because they set up their funeral. But, you know, the bottom line is that means that that funeral is your last moment with the people you love. And it's actually uh, uh, there to make a memory of your life and to memorialize your life in a way that's hopefully positive and meaningful to lots of people, you know, and also if you have a will, you know, that last wills aren't just for the wealthy. Make sure your family knows what you have, what you, what you want to have and any final wishes and then make these things easier for your family in the long run. And you can use a lot of technical tools um, you know, if you suffer from the fear of death, uh, you know, starting preparations for passing might seem impossible. But thankfully, in this day and age, we have so many great apps to help us with the task. I even noticed that Costco sells coffins <laughs> and not in the store, but they actually have a whole funeral package. <laughs> I had no idea, but I saw that uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, also, you want to focus on wellness, you know, if, if, focus on staying healthy. You know, people with, uh, it, it, you know, a way to lose your obsession with death and dying is to focus on the here and now. And that means here and now, not way down the road or way behind you, but here and now. And, and, and you'll be able to turn your focus to what you can live your life to the fullest. You know, eat right, exercise, take care of your mental and physical health. Focus on things you enjoy that can help you overcome your obsession with fear and the enjoyment of the present. And I will also tell you, um, there's a lot of people out there that live what I call a suicidal life. And that means they live unhealthy. They don't take care of themselves. They don't take care of their their problems, their, their habits, their, their addictions, or whatever that may be. And that is a person that's basically living a suicidal life. They're, they're 
they're giving their health away or they're giving an obsession of something away. They're giving their time to something that actually is killing them. And it's amazing that people don't call people out on that, that they're actually living a suicidal life. I often use that in therapy when I see someone that does this uh, self-destructive behavior. And uh, it's important for them to know that, hey, you know, you're you're living in a way that you really want to die. And and by waking them up from that, some, maybe that's lighting up the fear and using the fear. But what it generally does is it at least creates a dialogue where the person is starting to recognize death and be, begin to talk about it. You know, to, to, to some extent, it's likely that we're all scared, whether it be the thought of our own death or someone we love. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Benjamin Franklin wrote in the in this world. Nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. <laughs> and I have a tendency to believe that. <laughs> and so, you know, the the bottom line is, although it's likely that we're all worried about death and death-related situations sometimes in our life, but death anxiety is only uh, pathological when it reaches extreme levels or it disrupts your normal lifestyle. That means it's more conscious than it is unconscious. And so one account uh, of, of someone how, uh, emphasizes how the fear is, and this is a, a man w- that was talking about his, his wife, but the, the fear is specifically of death, not pain, but the emptiness of it and the fact that, you know, he, she's worried that he'll no longer be here and, and he's worried that he'll no longer be here for her. And so there's this um, irrational, emotional fear that the man has trouble controlling it and, and, and it gets worse and it gets worse and gets worse. And so, you know, uh, more often than not, death anxiety does not come on its own. It's instead, it's, it's usually with these other disorders that I, I described earlier. But, um, you know, people really recommend what's called cognitive behavioral therapy to people who face uh, severe death anxiety. Because what that is, is a changing of thoughts and is trying to first, you know, expose the fears. And so they, they, they reduce their death anxiety and, and they, they must be convinced not only to express their fear, but also to identify what exactly it is that scares them about death. And whether there are any situations or places, such as a funeral or a cemetery, that they tend to avoid. So that's one of the ways to expose it. And then we, we want to reduce, and this is cognitive behavioral approach, reduce the reassurance-seeking behavior. And so that targets the individual's tendencies to obsessively check their body for changes, to speak to uh, mentors or respected peers seeking reassurance. Um, uh, reassurance regarding their their fears. They also uh, often have an abnormal level of uh, idealized health and emotional aids, ranging from supplements to superstitious behavior. And so, you know, it's really important with cognitive therapy to try, try to prevent those um, unhelpful behaviors. And also, um, reviewing the person's a part of the therapy is is reviewing a person's person uh, personal experiences it's important to to know if they've had any experience with death and also now we do what's called a cognitive switch where they, they focus on enjoying life and so the individual should clearly identify their short medium and long-term goals to be able to focus on what they want to achieve in the life 
and how best to enjoy their experiences and, and uh, rather than obsess over, over death. I mean, what can you do about death? Why would you spend all your time worried about death? That's just, it's ridiculous. So develop a, you know, a healthy lifestyle. Identify and address consistent sources of stress. It, usually uh, with death and anxiety, there's, a, there's unhealthy aspects of your life, as I talked about earlier, a suicidal lifestyle. And calling people out on their suicidal um, uh, strategy of maybe their diet or, you know, maybe their risk taking, whatever, whatever that may be. And also, the other thing that cognitive therapy does is it, we want to prevent the cognitive, the anxiety relapse. Um, and that's important. And we know that when we get that thought change, when that thought change happens, then all of a sudden a person calms down and they have what's called their intuition. And so they're able to actually access their thir- their sixth sense. And that means they feel peaceful enough to be able to access all of their emotions because they've made peace with death and now they've embraced their life. You know, um, some people uh, are afraid what might happen to their body after death. Um, some people worry about their, you know, they won't ever have any more experiences. Um, they don't know if there's life after death. So, you know, if if you grab on to any type of this kind of stuff, we're going to make death in front of us rather than behind us. We're going to be staring at it all the time. And so, you know, it's really important to take on death anxiety and face it. And, and separate, you know, it's, it's ridiculous to worry about how your death would cause grief for your family and friends. Of course, that's going to happen. But are they going to work through it? Yes. People are resilient. Um, you know, all your plans, all your projects might come to an end. Yes. That's why it's important not to procrastinate. Also, uh, you know, what's going to happen to you after you die? You know, there's all that worry. What are you worried about that? Live a good life. Live a good life and hopefully live it with, with the purpose of knowing that it's a gift from God. And, and from a, a Christian perspective, I'm giving you, and you don't have to listen to it, but just a Christian perspective is the fact that your life is a gift to God. Live it that way and give back to others. That is what makes life so fulfilling. All right, let's come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about staying calm and coping and overcoming death anxiety. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? 
you're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, Please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about death, anxiety. Oh, my goodness. You know, Woody Allen famously uh, uh, said something. I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> so, you know, there's many rational things to worry about when we contemplate our own death. You know, perhaps the biggest is the, those, is, is the concern about how our, our surviving loved ones will cope emotionally or materially without us. You know, many of our worst fears about death are less realistic and based more on how we imagine death to be. And so, you know, the, looking at the, those uh, unfounded fears is very important. You know, in, in modern Western society, most people have little direct experience of death, and we, we don't even like to talk about the subject. And so often our society is organized in such a way that the dead are quickly removed from us. And those traditions that do encourage viewing the dead uh, do so only after really careful uh, uh, preparation on specialized you know, morticians where they take the blood out and put the other stuff in and resulting in, in the dead looking more like a, a wax model than the person that they were. Um, and then there's attendance of, of kids at funerals and cemeteries, um, adding the sense of dread and unfamiliarity with death, which many of us have grown up in. Um, you know, the, the, there's a fear also of, of pain. And there's no reason to expect that the actual process of dying is any worse physically than what you or other people have already previously experienced. For most people, the terror of an actual process of dying probably involves the fear of physical pain. It also involves likely the, the, the fearful incomprehension of the mysterious process by which our conscious, our self, is extinguished and fades away. You know, so, so look at, you know, our fear of a painful death. You know, we're, we're all afraid of pain. We all have had a lot of experience with physical pain, some more than others, and, and we're really likely to have witnessed some more extreme pain and agony in others than we've experienced even in ourselves. 
And all that makes us fear pain. So physical pain arises from damage to our our living tissue. And since death is the ultimate destruction of our living tissue, we naturally assume that death must be the ultimate painful experience since nobody who has actually died really can tell us what it felt like physically. Um, But we naturally have a terror of dying. And in fact, rationally and from a medical point of view, There's really no particular reason to suppose that that the intensity of our pain or other forms of of impairment or discomfort um, from all kinds of causes of death is greater than the intensity of pain from various illnesses, injuries that we ourselves may have already experienced. And so, you know, our, our pain that others have experienced and survived tell the tale. Furthermore, Dying in in and of itself is not especially involved painful process. Some forms of death are, are uh, painful and others aren't. And many acute injuries are actually more painful afterwards in people that survive them than they are in the moment of the injury. And so, you know, you don't want to really sugarcoat this, but many people who have survived more extreme forms of agonizing injury or illness would never want to re-experience it. And some are psychologically traumatized by the experience for a long time afterwards. And uh, there's every reason to expect that the pain and suffering are just as bad, if not worse, than those who've survived the injury than those who died. So, you know, who's to say if your death is going to be full of pain? You know, that even the most traumatized survivors have, in many cases, gone on to live fulfilling lives and are able to talk about the experience. And so, you know, while we certainly wish to never experience that uh, death, even in the worst of our, or a bad death, even in the worst of our nightmarish death scenarios, actual pain in and of itself is something that can certainly be endured and survived. And and, uh, as shown by our our other human beings, to the extent of the human capacity to endure suffering is often very surprising. And, and, you know, the cessation of our consciousness is something that we also fear is actually losing who we are or losing our spirit. And so, you know, what about the process by which our self-aware conscious and, and, and our subjective experience you know, abruptly ends. You know, we're souls living a human life. And so, you know, what's pretty amazing is uh, we're all worried about what our body's going to experience, but we don't think about what our soul's journey might be after our life. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's important um, since death from a biological point of view entails a complete and utter extinguishing of your conscious being dead will not feel like anything, nor, the, nor more than you, fa- uh, you felt a year before you were born. There simply will be no you to the feeling. And, and it, it's really hard for us to, because to, uh, you know, we're egotistical, to imagine that the world exists independently of whether we ourselves exist in the experience. We often believe that the world will go away without us. And uh, as an evolutionary uh, psychologist, uh, Jesse Baring uh, reminded, uh, consider rather the startling fact, and this is a quote, that you will never know you have died. You may feel yourself slipping away, but it isn't as though there will be a you around who is capable of ascertaining that. Once, once that's said and done, it's actually 
happened. So <laughs> this point was, was made actually, gosh, probably 2000 some years ago by uh, Epicurus who wrote, you know, why fear death when we can never perceive it? You know, it, we, it's something we can't perceive because we haven't experienced it yet. And so um, there was another uh, a Roman uh, philosopher, Lucretius, uh, he said that our state of non-existence for the internal eternity of time after our death is the same state as for the eternity of time before our birth. So apart from the nightly experience of falling asleep, especially deep dreamless sleep, the actual process of losing consciousness due to injury or illness um, might uh, be an, an anesthetic, you know, whether a sudden or gradual it's an experience that many of us have had. And so there's no reason to think that the experience of temporary losing consciousness is any different from the experience of permanently losing consciousness. So people may feel themselves losing consciousness only if it's gradual, but nobody actually experiences unconscious itself unless they are in a light state of unconsciousness with some awareness or some dreaming or some type of, of, of experience in that. You know, people who have been uh, resuscitated after being dead for a few minutes do not describe the subjective experience of loss of conscious any differently compared to those who lost consciousness uh, um, from other things. And why should they? So, so our sense that the process of dying is, is something completely alien from any living human being's experience, it's actually mistaken. We have a pretty good sense of what dying feels like, either from our, our own firsthand experience from the accounts of others, like living people, and, uh, and once a person's actually died, being dead doesn't feel like anything whatsoever. Obviously, there's simply no you to the feeling. So, we want to grab our life by the horns. We, want, we really want to be aware of our mortality, and, and it could be a profound challenge to our self-image, as if we're so all-important, indisposable, independent entity. But, you know, the bottom line is we all make ourselves out to be more important than we really are. Um, you know, if you think about it, as you, uh, from 18 to 40, you're generally trying to prove how incredible you are. Look at me, I'm an adult, I have a house. House, I have the a nice job. I have a car. I have kids, wife, whatever, whatever it is, and and we show that off, and we think everybody really, really looks at us and look thinks highly of us, and then we discover at about forty, people don't think about you that much, and <laughs> as you go through life and understand that they they really don't think about you that much. It's just occasionally. Uh, you may come to mind if your spouse may come to mind, your kids may come to mind, you know, you may, your parents or your cousins or somebody may think of you. But for the most part, people don't really think about us that much. And then as you're about 60, you realize people don't think about you whatsoever and they really don't want to think about you <laughs> when you're like 60 and you're then you're free to be a kid again. <laughs> so, you know, as um. You know, the way you value your life, and this is Yalom, and he was a psychiatrist, the way we feel compassion for others, the way we love anything with the greatest depth is to be aware that these experiences are destined to be lost. But that doesn't mean they're not destined to be a memory and a legacy of your life. You know, our mortality, and it reminds us of the urgency of living here and now. 
with the engagement of life and, and dedication to those around us. So instead of living ahead of ourselves, instead of living in a fear of what was behind us, we live now. We live now in hope. And we live now by giving ourselves to this moment and to fully engaging this moment. You know, we, we, many of us have lived good lives. And at this point, we should be able to look back and count our blessings. You know, if we created a community of friends, relatives, people that we work with that stretch out more than 50 years, you know, most of us are excited about the decades of life that we have ahead of us, decades that we want to fill with the passions, with the people, the places that matter. But at the same time, as we reach our 50s, it's common to stop worrying about our mortality. So many of us begin, and your health reminds you of that, your eyesight often reminds you of that. And so many of us begin to think about the fact that we have fewer years ahead of us than behind. And some may even uh, come to the fear of death no matter how far it is in the future. So, you know, taking the members of, uh, you know, it's just amazing how some people are afraid of death while others find it easy to accept their mortality. And so here's some things you might want to do. You know, take control of your life. Spend quality time with people you enjoy being around. Try new things. Challenge yourself. You know, keep active. Keep engaged in positive activities. And if there's something that really upsets you, do something about it. If you have unfinished business, business, take care of it. If you have someone you need to speak with, make the call. Don't keep going going to a job that's deeply dissatisfying or stay in a relationship that makes you unhappy. You know, you have a lot of joy in your future. And, and, and you want to think about who do you, who you want to spend time with matters. And, uh, and it's important that the fear of death is often the fear of not living on your terms. And you deserve to see your dreams come true. And the more you embrace life, the less frightened you'll feel. But the biggest part of it is to understand that you have to be giving back. That means you need to do hard. And hard is important because it makes your life easier. And if you're an expert in something that other people aren't and you're passionate about it, you're going to do a great job communicating with that and healing people and helping people, whether it's a auto mechanic, a minister, a therapist, whatever, a doctor, whatever. That is the, that is what your life, that's a vehicle that is basically your ministry of your life. And so, you know, if you can learn to accept that death is natural, you know, read the literature uh, about guides about death, you know, adopt rituals, explore your spirituality. These are great things you can do to help yourself. And focus on living well. You know, there's so many simple things you could do. Just just write a bucket list and start going towards it. You know, I, I, I had a bucket list. I have a bucket list. And I, I just finished one of my bucket list items, which is a book that's being, been published yesterday called The Good Book of Mental Hygiene. And basically, um, I wrote this book. Uh, I had it in my head for a long time. But uh, I expect, uh, you know, uh, it, it delivers a lot of insight and healing from a human perspective. And basically what I did is I borrowed um, the Apostle Paul's letters to various cities and followers. And then instead of doing that, I wrote letters to individuals with various mental disorders, uh, common diagnoses and typical life problems. 
And so, they, like I wrote to the Misraelites, who are the married and miserable, the Melancholians, the people that are depressed, the Narcissenians, the people that are narcissistic. So I'm just trying to create healing with this book, but it's really cool that I, I actually got a bucket list item on my life out of the way. All right, that's our show. I'd like to really thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can do that through our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, life is a great teacher, but then it kills all its pupils. That's Louis Hector Brilos. Also, life hurts a lot more than death. And then there's three stages of life. There's birth, there's what the hell is this, and then there's death. <laughs> you know, what do we say to God when we die? Got a light? All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 